Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources with Lloyd Matheson. Welcome back to Inside Sources. So glad to have you with us today. I'm Jason Perry, the director of the Hinckley Institute of Politics. And I'm Morgan Lyoncotti, also with the Hinckley Institute. Wow, so many interesting conversations happening today. Morgan, I, I, with our, before we have our next guest, I was just having this, this memory when I was young. It's going to show how old I am. When you like go over the point of the mountain and it was so remote, like the radio would not work. I had to put the eight track in. I know that's one of my questions for our next guest is that now the point of the mountain is this really strategic place where it used to be just this big swath of nothing between Salt Lake and Provo. It was. No offense to the nothing. <laughs> I'm sure none. But that's it. what it felt like. <laughs> I guess that's what it felt like. Even the radio didn't work. But I'll tell you, this is about to be an innovative hotspot in the state of Utah. And the person helping to lead that on behalf of the state is Representative Jefferson Moss. Representative, thanks for being with us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. We're so glad to have you. Not only are you, are you serving now as the as what we're calling the Points Innovation District Project Director, but you're also the Majority Whip in the House of Representatives. These are some big roles you have, uh, and we're we're so glad you're taking them on. Take we take a moment and tell us what this means, what the Point Innovation District is all about, and what we might just see there at the Point in the Mountain. Yeah, happy to. And, and by the way, I share I share that story. I remember driving over the Point, and if you got stuck in a snowstorm. You know, you had 30 minutes before you got to the next town, and it's just crazy to me to see with everything that's happening at Silicon Slopes, everything that's happening just over the point, um, that area has just turned into this incredible um, economic engine already. And when the state was looking at at this space, right, with the prison being located there in the heart of, of all this growth right between, you know, three major universities right on the Wasatch Front, um, I think the state rightfully made the decision to say that's that's prime real estate. Maybe we should look at um, doing something more for the state, something that could really benefit the state uh, economically and, and looking at uh, moving the prison. And as they were thinking through that concept, they were looking at the, the real estate side of it, of course, and thinking about what they could develop there. But one of the desires through that whole process is saying, how do we really foster innovation? How do we how do we create more great industry uh, alignments with with our education system. How do we help, you know, develop and foster new innovation, new tech commercialization? And so, early on, they made an effort to include higher education into that system, and and that's really what I'll be leading up. So so there's the the broader scope, which is the real estate. I'll be ho- focusing really on how do we integrate our eight universities, our eight technical colleges. How do we leverage all the great things that they're doing inside those universities? partnering these researchers with industry, saying, how do we solve problems? How do we create new businesses? 
And so we see this as potentially going to be a very big driver for the state, you know, not just, you know, now, but for the next 20, 30 years from now, uh, being able to really contribute to the economy to the state of, the Utah, of Utah. It's so interesting and so exciting for our state. And we love the mission and the big picture of what we hope it will be. Can you tell us a little bit more about how it's going to run and apart from, or in addition to perhaps the universities, who's going to be participating? Yeah, that is a very good question. So, so as I mentioned, there's the state of the mountain, the state of the mountain uh, land authority that really governs that whole facility. My job is really to more facilitate. How do we get researchers out of our universities? That'll be what I'm focusing on. Um, it may be the opposite. We have industry that's saying, "Hey, I want to come and build a facility. I want to be an anchor tenant in that space." I love to provide internship opportunities. Um, they may come to us and say, "Hey, how do we?" We need more programming at our universities that can help create the talent that we need, right? We're not just talking about talent that we see today. We know industry moves very quickly. So being, I would be able to help assist in that process. Obviously, I'll have a number of people that we'll be working together with across all of our universities. But how do we better meet the needs of what industry is looking for? And, and so that'll be a big part of what my job is, but really primarily helping facilitate between the our education institutions and and the industry folks, both at the point and across across the state of Utah. What is your vision for that connection? When you connect industry and research from these universities, that's something pretty powerful. I'm not sure we've seen as much in the state of Utah. Kind of give your vision for that, what you see. Let's say you connect a, a university with a private sector uh, company that's, that's innovative in like the life science space or something like that. Give us your view mm-hmm. for the next five, ten years what Utah could do with this kind of investment. Yeah, and we, we kind of look at it two different directions. There's the industry-driven research, right? So we obviously right now have professors that are, that are in their you know, universities creating great research, oftentimes not necessarily focused on a commercial application. It does sometimes have that, but more doing research for a grant or something like that. This would be taking a little different approach. This would be industry saying, we have life science. We're trying to solve I mean, take a big one. We're trying to deal with cancer. We're dealing with, you know, we're, we're dealing with whatever these major issues are. We're working on some specific technology, but we would love to partner more with some of our research folks. My job would be to say, how do we find the best talent already in our system and help bring them into that um, space? We plan on having about 100 acres of that space where we could have these kind of catalyst experiences, where you could have a professor working alongside an industry person, an entrepreneur, working together to help supplement or support the things that they're doing. Um, so that's really where we see it. We want to get our, some of our professors out of the university, out into industry. Um, we think that's where really some of this, this exciting new innovation can, can occur. And for our industry people, they have a lot of big problems, big challenges that they're trying to solve. And, and yes, they can go and hire researchers, but why, why not build that link more intimately with our, with our um, researchers ourselves? We can do that through the point. That sounds so great. And I know that's something we hear a lot about at the University of Utah, Jason, right, about getting involved with the community and finding ways to work with businesses and nonprofits. Um, so we're talking about how this is a strategic location, but what, what do you say to those Utahns that don't live in Utah County or Salt Lake County, aren't on the Wasatch Front? How is this going to impact them? Why should they be um, interested in this as well? 
Well, and I, and I appreciate that question because that has come up quite a bit. Is this a University of Utah thing? Is this a Utah State thing? The, the, the great thing about this is they were setting this up, and this was before I got involved, is how do we make sure that this reaches beyond the scope of just the Wasatch Front? Uh, my role will be to be very engaged with all of our schools, both our, our higher ed institutions and our technical colleges, and finding out where are areas that we can partner better with them. Um, we may even be helping facilitate some remote innovation hubs that we could get some of our tar- our team involved down there. And our goal is really to build that link across all of all of our institutions and, and throughout our whole state. When we look at problems, some of the problems we may be looking at may be, take, for instance, rural jobs. How do we create more industry outside of the Wasatch Front? That may be something that we could be working on at the point and getting the smartest people in the room, getting research from researchers from throughout the state, getting folks from, you know, some of our rural parts of the state to come together and say, let's come up with the best idea, let's get some support behind it, get some resources, and then help push that out across the whole state. So it really is a statewide effort, not just a, a Wasatch Front effort. Can, can you give us some idea of how big this is? I mean, the, the acreage, but in terms of, you see, economic development efforts in the state of Utah, give us some sense of, of the scale of this project. Yeah, and they've they've looked at it, you know, they've got a number of different numbers, and I don't have all the details of that in terms of a quantitative analysis. But when you look at the state, we have, you know, one of the best educated states in the country. Um, I think we're doing a fantastic job in our education system. When you look at our economy being one of the hottest economies in the, in the country, and to have this prime location, this prime effort. And, and one of the things that I think is very unique about Utah is that all of our partners can work well together. It's not like other states, from what I've heard as I've gone to other states, where you know higher ed is kind of separate, right? They're not as connected to industry. Government's not as connected. This is very much a, a unified effort among all of these different groups. So when you think about the economic impact, to have that kind of alignment in this type of a prime location in one of the hottest states in terms of our economy in the country, uh, the potential is just enormous. And, and I've heard numbers that are you know, in the multi-billions of what the economic impact could be for the state um, by putting this, this thing in place. All right. Thank you so much for detailing that for us today. I know that many of us are watching what's happening there with great interest. Glad to know a little more about it and that you got your hand on the wheel with many other great people in the private sector and the public sector as well. Thank you so much, Representative. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, stay tuned. When we come back, I'm just going to say it, Morgan, my favorite person in the whole world. I would, I would hope she would be. Yes. Mary Catherine Perry is going to be on the show with us to talk about a critical project in the state of Utah, the period project. You want to stay with us. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America, but the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? 
That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.